Good morning, church family. Wow, it's nice to see all those people out there. We're going to be reading out of uh, John chapter 14, so if you guys want to open up your Bibles and join me. John chapter 14. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. And you know the way where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and you have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is enough for us. Jesus said to him, I have been with you so long, and you still do not know me. Philip, whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do, not, do you not believe that I am the Father, and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me, or else believe on account of the works themselves. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do, because I am going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do for you, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me, you will keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you a helper to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Yet a little while, and the world will see me no more, but you will see me because I live, you also will live. In that day you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest him, manifest myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words, and the word that you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and bring you to remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. You heard me say to you, I am going away, and I will come to you. If you love me, you would have rejoiced, because I am going to the Father, and the Father is greater than I. And now I have told you before it takes place, so when it does take place, you may believe. I will no longer talk much with you, for the ruler of this world is coming. He has no claim on me, but I do as the Father has commanded me, so that the world may know that I love the Father. Rise and go from here. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the truth that rings out of your word, Lord. We just ask that you bless this time that you meet us in this place, Lord, that uh, you've drawn us all here for a reason. And Lord, may we hear the message that you have for us. Just ask that you bless Jackie as he brings forth your word, Lord, and I just pray that your truth and your word rings out true, not only in this room, not only in this community, but in the whole world. Lord, everything that's going on, it's so easy to get all mixed up, but I just pray that we just keep it in our mind and we keep our focus, that you are everything that we will ever need, and we give you all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this morning we're going to continue taking a look at the farewell discourse uh, that Jesus has with his disciples. Several chapters we're going to be looking at um, the next several weeks that all deal with the final 24 hours. 
that are all focused in what Jesus said to his disciples when he turned their world upside down. When he said, I'm leaving and you can't come with me yet. When he told Peter, you're going to deny you know me before the cock crows, which is just a few hours away. If you can imagine how sideways that would make them mentally. This is the night of the Last Supper when Jesus took the bread and broke it. This is all during that night. And as he's, he's preparing their hearts, I love how he begins it in chapter 14 when he says, uh, don't let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe in me. See, whenever our hearts are troubled, that's where we need to focus. Putting our faith and trust in him, right? Focusing our eyes on him. Now, this morning, we're going to pick it up from verse 15, where Jesus says this, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Now, I just want to remind you that they're his commandments. They're not yours. Mankind likes to take God's commandments all the time and build his own cotton-picking list. So do me a favor. Don't bring me your list. If you bring me a list, it better have in front of it, Jesus said, do you understand? This is kind of an important concept because we play this game in the church all the time. It's what Jesus, Jesus said, go into every nation, make disciples, right? Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And what's the next part? Teach them the things that I commanded you. And every church across the nation builds a list. We call these the do's and don'ts. And a couple of them are even in the Bible. <laughs> Jesus said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. In this very chapter that we're reading, Jesus said, they will know you are my disciples by the way you love one another. For some reason, that doesn't ever seem to be on one of those lists of do's and don'ts. That is precisely something that Jesus spoke of in this same meeting that he's having with the disciples. It's precisely something that he is focused on very much. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. You will obey me. You will treasure my words. You will guard my teachings. This is what he's talking about. We, mankind, we always like to do this. We always like to say, well, if you do this and you do this and you do this and you do this, or if you don't do that and you don't do that and you don't do that and you don't do that, there you go, you're good. That, that is the opposite to what is taught in the Bible. What is taught in the word is to treasure the things Jesus said. And he told us, these words that I speak come from whom? They come from my Father. They come from my father. He says, John 14, 21, we'll get there in a minute. He says, whoever has my commandments and keeps him, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my father and I will love him and manifest myself to him. And we're going to talk about how that occurs, how that is accomplished. John 15, Jesus is going to say, as the father has loved me, so I love you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love just as I has kept my father's commandments and I abide in his love. How do we even know him? How do we hold to him? How do we, how do we keep these things attached? Look, the way we do this, we have to be connected to his word, not bypassing it or creating our own. Just holding fast to what God's word lays out for us. John 15, 17, Jesus said, These things I command you so that you will love one another. Interesting, no? 1 John 2, 3 and 6, he says, And by this we know that we have come to know him. If we keep his commandments, whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word in him, truly the love of God is perfected. By this, we may know that we are in him. 
Whoever says he abides in Christ ought also to walk as he walked. When Jesus says, keep my commandments, when Jesus says, obey my word, this is what he's saying to you, to me, and to the disciples. Listen, come follow me. Come follow me. Come follow, walk after me. Come with me. Learn from me. Come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Come to me. Follow me. 1 John 4, 7 says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Isn't that what God's word is commanding us? Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us that God sent his only son into the world that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation, the substitute, the sin sacrifice for our sin. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Before we run to some list of imaginary do's and don'ts, let's just do the ones we do know. What do you say? By this they will know that you are my disciples by the way you love each other. That we love each other enough to talk to one another. The Bible says if you got a problem with your brother, do what? Come tell the pastor and let him fix it for you. Is that what it says? <laughs> I know you guys want that to be there, but it's not there. If you have aught with your brother, first take it to your brother. Because you what? Love him. Let love be the motivation behind the confrontation. We ought to love one another. To show that we are following Jesus. Right? That we follow him. Look, guys, I just, I don't want you to miss this idea, right? Jesus said, John the Baptist came and he neither ate nor drank. And you called him crazy. I came to you eating and drinking, and you called me a wine-bibber and a glutton. You understand? This is man's bend. This is the thing man wants to flex to. He wants to flex to, what are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? And even John the Baptist didn't do anything. He's crazy. Jesus did it all, and they said, he's a wine-bibber and a glutton. Right? Jesus said, here's the mark. Love each other. Right now, our world is very clearly drawing lines. And if you are a follower of Christ, by the way, you're going to be outside the lines. And you better be okay with that. Because Jesus said, if you are not for me, you are. You guys know the Bible. So we want to be that, right? We want to say, look, I want to stand in a line that says, I'm for Christ. That's where I'm going to stand. And that is eventually going to be a problem for if you haven't been paying attention. That is for sure going to be a problem. They have already silenced believers on YouTube and Facebook, and they will not stop. Robert Gagnon, who has had a 20-some year ministry uh, to the homosexual community, is shut down. He's off. Can't be on anywhere. Now, that will eventually be the everyone. It's not closed. The door's not closed yet. But it's closing. 
And when that happens, people are going to say, you're going to have to decide, where am I? Because the devil owns the fence, so get off the fence. What is going to mark believers? Not the, 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 the things we stand for, who we stand with. I stand with Christ. What he said goes. Period. What God's word teaches is where I'm going to stand. And that will eventually be illegal. And I don't care. There's a reason God chose me who doesn't like to follow any rules whatsoever. <laughs> so let me, let me just get this out of the way. I'm sure somewhere in the last week I have offended somebody in here if you saw me driving. <laughs> I'm sorry. God is working on me. My right hand is not saved yet. <clears throat> and that, unfortunately, is the hand that is on the throttle. I, I understand it. You know, I get it. I'm sorry. Forgive me. I don't, I'm not trying to make you mad or anybody else. <laughs> I just, uh, you know, I still have hair. If Phil can't understand it, Robin doesn't get it. <laughs> but when, my, when that wind hits my hair, there's nothing like it. <laughs> I just want more. Let me tell you the good side of that. One day, somebody's going to say, hey, you can't preach that. And I'm going to say, yes, I can. I don't care what you say. God doesn't make mistakes when he calls us with our personalities and our struggles and our weaknesses and our strengths. And if we would learn what the Bible teaches about the strength that we have in the diversity of the body of Christ, when we stop trying to make everybody like us and we recognize that their strengths will cover my weaknesses, my strengths will cover their weaknesses, if we will allow the diversity to happen and stop building our silly lists, just love one another like Christ loved us. Do the things we clearly see taught, right? The things, let's not argue about the things we don't understand. That's okay. We can say, I don't understand that. But there are some simple ones, right? That are very clear. We want to hold fast. We want to be marked with those who stand with Christ, right? He goes on in verse 16. He says, I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper. I love the Greek language. I also, let me take another side. I don't know if we're going to get through chapter 14. <laughs> um, so listen, I was challenged by a brother, uh, a brother I consider a friend. And uh, it's important that we have Bibles and we are okay with writing in them. So I'm going to tell you some things to write in your Bible. It's not sacrilegious. It's okay. They'll print another one when you fill it up, and you can get it, right? We, want to, we need to be paying attention and writing things down. My wife, for my whole ministry, I've been, I've been preaching for 20-some years, and she still takes notes for me. She's heard everything I have to say 10 times, but she still will write it down so that she can remember, so that the Spirit will speak to her. So I, I want to encourage you that. This verse... Verse 16, Jesus said, I will pray the Father and he will send you another helper. That word another means another of the same kind. Another of the same kind as whom? Another of the same kind as Jesus, who is God in the flesh. So he says he's going to send you another helper. He's going to tell us who that is, right? That's God, the Spirit. He says, he will send you the Holy Spirit. I will pray and the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you. How long? Forever is a long time, right? I want you to understand the word here, he will be with you, is he will be alongside you. Uh, specifically, this is the position that the Holy Spirit is in currently with the disciples. He's going to develop that for us as we continue to look on in the very next verse. Even the Spirit of truth, we know who he's talking about, right? The Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive. The world doesn't get the Spirit. The Spirit will be in the world, but the Spirit will not be... Yeah, thanks. What am I trying to say? He's in a believer. He's not in an unbeliever. He is 
around the world. Jesus is going to describe it when we get to the to, to chapter 16. We're going to, I'm not going to, I'm not going to try to wrap your, your brain around it all right now, but I just want you to know there's a ministry that the Holy Spirit accomplishes in the world, but he is inside. He will be manifested in the life of a believer. Listen to what he says. The world neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him. Listen to the phrase, for he dwells with you. He's alongside the disciples right now. And the next phrase, and will be in you. He's not in the disciples yet. He is not in them. It is my firm conviction that the Holy Spirit is in the disciples in John chapter 20 when Jesus breathes on the disciples and says, Receive ye the Holy Spirit. Sometimes when I want to make certain emphasis, I use the King James. Receive ye the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit came. When Jesus said, Lazarus, come forth, did Lazarus go in a minute? Children, that's why it's important when your parents say, come here, that you don't go, what, from the other room. (laughs) When Jesus said, Lazarus, come forth, Lazarus came. When Jesus said, receive the Holy Spirit, what happened? They received the Holy Spirit. John chapter 20, we'll get there eventually. Right now, Jesus says the Holy Spirit is alongside. There are three Greek prepositions that encompass the ministry of the Holy Spirit in the life of a believer. First, he's alongside. He's with us. We'll see that when we get to John 16, convicting us of sin, uh, um, ministering to our heart, softening our heart that we might hear the word of God, right? Respond to the word of God. And then when our faith and trust is in Christ, he is in us. He's in us. As a believer, if you believe Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, you have uh, uh, proclaimed him to be your God and King. Holy Spirit's in you. A lot of people get confused about that. There's a third Greek preposition. The Holy Spirit will come upon you. The Holy Spirit will empower you for service. The word used when the Holy Spirit comes upon you is is not giftings. It is empowerment. His power will pour out. That's 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14. I'm not going to run into all those places yet either. Just want to give you an overview of what Jesus is describing. He's saying, I'm going to pray the Father. The Father's going to send the Spirit. You're going to say something in chapter 16. It'll blow your mind. Uh, It's good that I leave. Wait, 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 wait. Can you think of a time it would be good that Jesus wasn't with you right now? Sitting in the chair beside you in church? Jesus said to his disciples, it's good that I leave. That's how important it is for the believer to have the Holy Spirit in his life. He will empower you for service. You ever notice the disciples were knuckleheads and then after Jesus' resurrection and his ascension to the Father, they start acting like heroes in the Bible? That's the power of the Holy Spirit in the life of a believer. We always want to focus on, on the weird things. Every time I talk about the Holy Spirit, I guarantee you tomorrow at coffee with the pastor, somebody's going to ask me about tongues. I didn't say anything about tongues till just now. Let me just tell you. I had an incredible experience with God in the gift of tongues, and I, and I wish I could give you all that experience, but I can't. Your walk with Christ is your walk with Christ. God's empowerment for you is your empowerment. There are a lot of people who misuse and abuse the gifts to stand up in front of church and do things that draw attention to themselves. Jesus said what the Holy Spirit will do is not draw attention to you. He will point to me. You will see me in whatever is is going on. And I think there's a lot of people around the world who have had incredible experiences. I'm happy, if I didn't have 15 minutes, I'd tell you it. I'd love to tell you and share my experience with you. I wish I could give it to you because it was so amazing because in the middle of the desert, God-forsaken desert, not Idaho desert, uh, I was sitting in the back of a truck and the God of the universe was in the back of the truck with me. 
was the most incredible thing I've ever had. And for many times in my life, I have been encouraged by that moment saying, it just anchors my faith, okay? Because I have this experience. Now, I didn't have that experience before I had the word. I had the word. I believed the word. I trusted in God. I was looking for some specific answers with God. He allowed me to experience something that I, I can't explain to you, and I don't care if you believe. It doesn't matter to me. It's mine, not yours. But uh, it was the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, and it was something that really uniquely blessed me and still does so today. But in Acts chapter 4, that very same power filled the church with boldness. And I just want you to hear me. You're going to need boldness way more than you're going to need tongues. Are you listening to me? You are going to need boldness. Don't cut Acts chapter 4 out of the Bible. I know there's a lot of times Acts talks about tongues. Awesome. That's great. But when the disciples were back up against the wall and the world was coming against them, they didn't ask for tongues. What did they ask for? Boldness. Make us bold. And you know the Bible says that the Holy Spirit came into the room, shook the windows, the windows rattled, the doors blew open, a mighty wind rushed through the building, and the scripture says they were filled with boldness. That's the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit. We need that empowerment. We need that blessing in our life. It's so vital. It's so important. What goes on in John 14, verse 19, he says, Yet a little while, and the world will see me no more, but you will see me because I live, you live. Now, they need to know this because you're 24 hours from seeing him on a cross. And is that going to wreck their world? For sure, because they don't see it coming. It's going to wreck their world. He says, for a little while, and the world will see me no more. I'm going to die. Where I'm going, you can't come. You will later. But this is my time. This is my hour, Jesus said. Um, but he says, but you will see me, right? Because every time Jesus talks about his death, he talks about his resurrection. <clears throat> because I live, you will live also. Death has no grip on you. Death has no grip on me. I know this last year we have said goodbye to more people, it seems like, than any other year before. People that have died. And death always makes, makes us sorrowful. And death always makes us mourn. And there's nothing wrong with any of that. Mourn. Be sorry. But hear what God said. Because I live, you will live also. Death is not death. Death is a doorway to the presence of Christ. That's what death is. It's not something to be feared. It's not something to destroy your, your faith or your heart. Death is the doorway to Christ. That's the promise of God. Because I live, you will live also. Verse 20, in that day, you will know. What day is he talking about? That day. Hey, my iPad's ringing. I should answer it. I used to answer my iPad, or not my iPad, my phone when it would ring, if I had it in my pocket at church, because I'm like, what person doesn't know what I'm doing right now? <laughs> what, what person doesn't know? Where's Jackie at? I'm right here. So in that day, yeah, it was funny. One time I answered, it was, it was Pastor Gerald's son. And he's like, why are you answering your phone? And I was like, well, you called me. He says, yeah, but you're preaching. I said, I know that everybody hears a phone call right now. You're on the air. He said, I just wanted to leave you a message. Okay, sorry. It didn't work out. In that day, you will know that I am in my Father, you in me, and I in you. So he's talking about that day, that day. This is the hour, the time when Christ is going to die. The disciples are going to go to the lowest of, of lows. Then three days later, they're going to go to the highest of heights. And then one day, it will be their time. And all throughout that period, that experience that they're going to have, they're going to know one thing. Jesus is with me. I know he was with me. The disciples would say, I know he was with me. He used to physically walk beside me. I could nudge him when we were going down the road. But the presence of Christ was with them their entire ministry. And 
it meant more to them then than it did when he was physically there. When he was physically there, they didn't understand most of what was going on. When he was spiritually with them, they had the spirit. They had the understanding. They had comprehension of who he is and what he's doing. Listen, he's going to say it again. Whoever has my commandments and keeps him, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. I'm going to show myself to everyone who loves me. That's what Jesus said. I'm going to show myself to everyone who loves me. If you love me, obey my commandments, love one another, follow my example, walk this way. What way? I am the way, the truth, and the life. Judas, not Iscariot, says, Lord, how? Aren't you thankful they ask questions? Because maybe you had that question too. Lord, how will you manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Because they're thinking physically. How are we going to see you and know you and experience you, but the world won't? And so Jesus answered, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. Do you treasure God's word? In the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. Jesus said, I only speak the words my father gave me to speak. He literally is the voice, the word of God, the expression of God, the revelation of God. Hebrews 1, 1 through 3 says, he is this revelation come. He says, if if you love me, you'll love my word because that's who he is. You'll love me, you'll keep my word, you'll treasure my word, you'll want to follow my word, and my Father will love him. And we will come to him and make our home in him. So does there anywhere in the Bible that says Jesus lives in your heart? No, it just says he lives in you. The heart is just a seat of understanding for us, right? Jesus said, me and the Father are going to live in you. And I want you to understand this. When Jesus left the temple the last time, I got weird ideas about the temple. You guys don't want to hear them all now. I'm going to start Ezekiel in like a week on Wednesday nights. And by Ezekiel, what is it, 38 to 41, something like that, I'm going to be talking a lot about the temple. So if you you want to hear weird ideas, you should come. Um, If you don't want to hear weird ideas, don't come. But when Jesus left the temple the last time, listen to what he said. When he walked in, Phil Phil mentioned this. When he walked into the temple, he said, My father's house is a house of prayer. And he cleansed the temple. You remember? He drove out the money changers. He said, My father's house is a house of prayer. This is... My house, this is my father's house. When he left the temple the last time, the next time he comes back to that area, it will be as the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. When he leaves it the last time, he will say to those who hear, see, your house is left to you desolate. God is not in the temple He's not in the temple. He's not in the temple in 70 AD. He's not in any temple. Paul will say this. Listen to Paul's words and understand, do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? The temple comes down in 70 A.D. I don't really care if they build a temple ever again. Because God takes up his temple in me. And the Bible tells us not only is he in me personally, he's in us corporately. He is in the body of Christ. The body of Christ contains the spirit of God. The church corporately, not the church, Calvary Chapel View only, He will be in the body of believers at the First Baptist Church, at the Assembly of God. He will be in the body of believers globally. He is there. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit within you, 
whom you have from God. You are not your own. You were bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body. Glorify God in your body. Look, the Lord doesn't need a temple. Now, I know, I'm not talking eschatologically. Yes, I understand the Antichrist is going to be in a temple one day and declare himself to be God, and there's not a temple, so one has to be built. But Jesus told me I should be keeping my eyes on him, not on the Antichrist. I could give a rip who he is. I don't care who he is. I think he's probably coming sooner than later. But never one time did Jesus say, you know what, you really should be concerned about who's the Antichrist. If I want to sell a book to Christians and make millions of dollars, I just tell you why, you know, Joe Biden is the Antichrist. (laughs) If I do that, a bazillion people will buy the dumb book. But the Bible says, I press on toward the upward call of Christ Jesus my Lord. I put my eyes on him. I'm listening for a trumpet to call me home. I'm listening for his voice and the direction of his spirit. And I could give a rip who the other guy is. I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. I need to be about doing what God has called us to do. That's what we got to worry about. Everything else is cool, and I love talking about it. We can talk about it around coffee, and we can talk, talk, talk all you want. But I want to keep my eyes on Christ. I want to keep my eyes on him. Jesus said... You keep my word, my Father will love you. We will come into you, we'll make our home within you. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words, and the word that you hear is not mine, but the Father who sent me. He will make his home in us. What do we do? We love his word. We receive his word. We believe his word. It's all synonymous terms. In John chapter 6, Jesus said, If you learn from my Father, then you will learn from me. Because we are saying the same words. If you rejected the Father's word, you'll reject my word. My sheep know my voice. If you keep my word, hold my word, guard my word, obey my word, we will come into you. Verse 25, these things I have spoken to you while I am still with you, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. This is important if you want to have an apologetic for the word of God. Oftentimes people say, how is it that Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are able to write down their experiences? Probably Mark is uh, probably 60s, in the 60s, So you're talking about um, 30 years after, the earliest copy we have, 30 years after. How is it he could remember all that? It's the earliest copy. That that doesn't mean, by the way, that's the first copy, just so you know. It's just the earliest one we have 2,000 years later. But hey, I'm sure it's just a book. So the... This, the, why, 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 why does this matter? The, the Bible says, the Holy Spirit said, I'll bring these things to your remembrance. The disciples are going to remember the things they need to remember to write down the word of God. It is, all scripture is God breathed. Theonustos. All scripture. What if it's not scripture? It's not God breathed. And if it's not God breathed, guess what? It's on a bookshelf somewhere in the bookstore claiming to say that there was a conspiracy and we left this gospel out. No, we didn't leave no gospels out. Don't buy all the malarkey people try to sell you. Right? If you go on to the internet and it says you can buy a massage chair for 12 cents (laughs) and you believe it, you might need medication. My wife bought a massage chair for 12 cents. I said, there's no such thing as a massage chair for 12 cents. It says it is. Don't believe everything you read. Yes? By the way, there was no massage chair. And thankfully, all they ever took was 12 cents. So, don't, don't, if it's, if it talks like that, look. Listen, the word of God is God breathed. It's God, God took care of it. God delivered it to us. 
I don't have time, but I can definitely run down all the numbers for you so you can understand how the Word of God gets to us and why you can trust it. Don't believe all the knuckleheads. Anybody can put something on YouTube. For the love of God, I have a show on YouTube. (laughs) Anybody can say something on YouTube and don't make it true. Do you understand that? Wait, wait. We should have learned this this year. Anybody can say something on TV and it don't make it true. Well, here's another one. Anybody can say something on the news and it don't make it true. Don't make it true. God's word is preserved. God's word is delivered. The Holy Spirit accomplished these things and delivered them to us. We're almost done, so I'm going to keep you for three minutes. It'll be okay. Sorry. You forgive me later. Verse 25. These things I have spoken while I'm with you, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you and he will bring these things to remembrance that I have said. Verse 27. So important. Peace I leave with you. Peace in the storm. Peace so you can sleep. Anxiety is what we have when our eyes are focused on the world. Peace is what we have when our eyes are focused on Christ. Anxiety is what we have when our eyes are focused on the world. We see the storm, we get anxious, we sink, right? And when I'm anxious, that's exactly how I feel. When I'm anxious, I don't sleep all night long. I toss and I turn and I don't sleep and then I get mad that I'm not sleeping and I get more anxious and I get more anxious and I get more anxious. So this is what I do when that happens. I get up, I go out of that room, I go sit down in another room, I take my Bible, I open my Bible and I read. And I put God's word in my mind and he will bring me peace. And pretty soon I'm able to go to sleep. So I just need to hear that Jesus Christ has given us peace. In this world, you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. What's Jesus say? I have overcome the world. What are they going to do? What are they going to do? I don't care. Here's a new one for you. I was the most psychotic fan of NFL. I heard it's a Super Bowl day. I couldn't care less. I ain't going to turn it on. I'm not going to watch a commercial. That's it. That world's dead to me. I don't care about none of it. I don't care about what they say on Fox News. I don't care what they say on CNN. I don't care what they say on MSNBC because all of them are lying all the time, 24-7. I don't care. There's one place I can go to hear the truth. That's the Word of God. I go to the Word of God. I pour the Word of God in. That's all I need. The Lord said, He is my shepherd. I'm all you need. I don't need all that other stuff. It just makes me anxious. Jesus said, I give you peace. Not like the world gives. Listen, he's going to say it again. Don't let your heart be troubled. But my heart is troubled. Well, don't let it be. But it is. Don't let it be. Don't be afraid. Sometimes we get afraid. Yeah, he says, don't be afraid but I'm afraid. Well, don't be. I'm anxious. Don't be. What's the cure? Look, our minds, like our bodies, are full of poison. And you can't ever pick it all out. You're not going to be able to pick out all the poisonous thoughts. You're not going to be able to pick out all the poisonous barbs or the poisonous darts the enemy has shot at you. Or the, or, or the poisonous lies that people have told you. You're never going to be able to pick it all out. Stop trying. You need to pour the word in. Stop picking the poison out. Pour the word in. You may want to try and limit your poison intake. <laughs> right? Pour the word in. Pour, there's, trust me, I don't care how much you're doing, you're never pouring it in enough. Pour it in. Pour it in. The Bible tells us that he keeps him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed, where? On the Lord. His mind is stayed. His eyes focused. Why? Because he's pouring the word in. Pour 
the word in and be delivered from your fear and your anxiousness. You heard me say to you, I am going away and I will come to you. And if you love me, you would have rejoiced because I am going to the Father. For the Father is greater than I. It's not greater in essence, not ontologically greater. We're talking about one God in three persons. But he has greater position. He's the Father. Jesus is submitted as the Son. The Spirit is submitted as the Spirit. They accomplish a purpose in the work of the Father together, one being three persons, one one substance, three subsistences. I don't care what word you want to use. doesn't matter. There's only one in all the universe. His name is Yahweh. Jesus said, the Father, I'm submitted to the Father. He told us that over and over again. And now I have told you before it takes place. So that when it does take place, what? You will believe. For I will no longer talk much with you. He's only got a few hours, right? They're headed to the Garden of Gethsemane in Two sentences. I will no longer talk much with you for the world, the ruler of this world is coming. Who's coming? Satan's coming, right? Satan's coming. The ruler of this world is coming. He has no claim on me. Yeah, no. Jesus is sinless. Satan has a claim on me. No claim on Christ. He has no claim on me, but I do as the Father commanded. He will give himself for us so that the world may know that I love the Father. Let's go. That's what he says. Let's go. When they leave the upper room, the rest of the chapters are going to be walking to Gatshmone, Gethsemane. You you know the story that happens there, right? He's going to be arrested. He's going to be taken. He's going to be beaten. He's going to be put on a cross. He's going to be crucified. And three days later, he will rise again. This is all the same time. This is all the same period. The farewell discourses, 24 hours, chapter after chapter after chapter, Jesus' conversation saying goodbye, get ready to his disciples. Now, the way that can encourage us today is you currently live in a world where I trust me, Jesus is saying, get ready. Get ready. Stop playing games with faith. Stop playing games with the Lord. Stop being having your little toe in the water. I don't know if I really want to get in. You better get in. You better jump in and get to know what's real, what's going on, what's happening. Because the Bible tells us before it happens so that we'll know. These things, these days are coming. Jesus told us. Read Matthew 24. Read Matthew 25. Look at the things the scripture lays out for us. These days are coming. They're coming. Get ready. How do I get ready? Well, Jesus said that we're supposed to do the things he told us to do. He told at least two parables saying, a guy gave someone some stuff. And then he left. And he said, one day I'm going to come back and ask you what you've done with the stuff I gave you. Well, that's you in the story. God's given you stuff. He's given you his spirit. He's given you his word. He's given you commands. He's given you his love. He's given you his presence. And he's given you one commission. Go to all the world and make disciples. I try to have someone I'm discipling in my life, honestly, at least one person, year after year after year after year. And you should as well. You say, who? Fathers, your children. Grandfathers, your grandchildren. Mothers, your children. Grandmothers, your grandchildren. It's not hard to find someone to disciple. Let the older women come alongside the younger women within the church and encourage them. Let the older men come alongside the younger men and encourage them. It's not hard to find someone to disciple. Jesus said, if you love me, you'll do what I'm asking you to do. Time is coming. 
The sides have been chosen. The pieces on the board are moving. The question is, are you getting in the game? Are you going to be a part? Are you going to keep watching from the sideline? The Lord says, get in, let's go. Come on. I won't leave you orphans. I will be with you. My Father will be in you. I'll be in you. The Holy Spirit will be in you. What else do you need? Remember, Acts 4. Pray for boldness and do what God's calling you to do. Amen? Why don't you stand with me? Let's pray. Sorry I'm making you late. But listen, here's the good news. Right after this, we're going to do a baptism. Isaac's getting baptized. So we're going to have a time for prayer. The elders and the, and the deacons are coming forward. If you have prayer requests, we want you to come up. Look, there's a lot of things going on. I know there's a lot of places to go. And trust me, there ain't no kickoff that you need to watch. It's going to happen in the next hour anyway. you got time. So come forward for prayer. If you're able to stay for the baptism, hang out and watch Isaac get baptized. We're excited to get to baptize him. And then remember what we talked about today. Go. Do what God's calling you to do. Father God, we lift this time to you. We pray the blessing of your spirit to be here, God. I pray for everyone. I pray for for people. Maybe there's people here today that don't know you as their Lord and Savior. And I pray, God, you by your spirit would move in their heart and life. Draw them, Lord. Bring them. I pray, Lord, that, uh, that they would open their heart and life to you. It's not, it's not hard to believe. Lord, we pray that your spirit would move in this place. Draw men to yourself. Draw families. Draw women and children. God, be glorified. May we as Men and women of the cross, men and women of the book, men and women of the way, may we take our place in the battleground. May we join in the fight, learning to love one another and extend the love of Christ to a world who is rejecting him. Lord, be glorified in this place as we lift our eyes to you. Move in this place as we continue to worship, anoint our time as we pray, and as we baptize Isaac, God, be glorified in and through it all. We'll give you all the praise and the glory for it. In Jesus' name, amen.